can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. in the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Hello. We on? Hi, it's Monday. What do you know? Sanders in the sidekick. This is Tournament Week. Mike Gallagher, I hope you're fired up as much as I am. Number one, because ETSU men get to play Chattanooga yet again. That makes me more excited in the 4-5 or five matchup. The women's team finished uh, also as the 4 seed. They were tied for third. Uh, just like the men's team was tied for third, but both tiebreakers did not go ETSU men's and women's way, so they both will be the fourth seed. They'll both will play the second game uh, on the first, well, I guess the second day for men's because of the uh, 7, 10, 8, 9 game. So the quarterfinal day for both, they will be the second game for the women, one fifteen in Asheville on Thursday for the men, two thirty on Saturday. Full breakdown of the brackets coming up. We need to recap ETSU men's, ETSU women's. We also have bold predictions, and again, I don't know – if there's a category for most, like, one-offs losses. But I think I'd have to be up there, uh, at least recently, because every time I'm clicking on a game, you know, I need ten, they get nine. Somebody's going to upset somebody, they'll lose by one, lose by a bucket. I just can't get – That did happen a couple times this weekend. It did. Uh, again, again, it's been uh, – yeah. All right. I don't want to complain about bowl predictions too much. ETSU, men's basketball, women's basketball, each big wins – to end the regular season for the women, a three-game win streak going in the Southern Conference Tournament. Uh, the men, uh, just a one-game, but this is the first time in three years that they have uh, ended the season with a win. And again, it's West Carolina, which just did not want to go away. And some of that ETSU self-inflicted because, again, free throws just brutal, uh, just to be blunt about it. 16 for 32. And they still win. I mean, they win by, you know, was that seven, I think? My math's not real good on the short. So, uh, 81-74. So, seven-point win, and you're sitting there going, as the game's going on, you're like, okay, this is really going to put them away. Okay, this is these free throws are going in, and it's just going to be, you know, good night, Irene. And it just never really happened. Uh, and, and give West Carolina credit. They kept battling, and, you know, ETSU kept the door open, and West Carolina kept hitting shots. But ultimately, ETSU picked up the victory. Well, I mean, they shot 61% from the floor. And anytime you shoot 61% from the floor, you're expecting a Furman-type blowout. And I'm talking about Furman-ETSU in this case, except the shoe would be on the other foot, and ETSU would blow out Western Carolina in that same way. Uh, you know, purple, colors are purple, Furman-Western Carolina, so it kind of makes a little bit of sense. But 61% and then 53% from outside, you get nine threes, as you mentioned. We'll talk about bold predictions. You said they needed 10. They got nine, and not getting that 10th, uh, if Western Carolina would have been a bit more prolific from the field, could have cost ETSU because it was just a seven-point victory. Certainly, Trey Boyd had a big day off the bench. That is Trey Boyd at his finest. I mean, when the shot is going, you know, he really is difficult to stop. And he talked about post-game. We won't hear from him, but we will hear from Steve Forbes here in a moment. He talked post-game about when he's not having the shot go down, being able to drive and penetrate and kick and doing other things for his team. But it certainly was on Saturday. And Bo Hodges had just another spectacular game, 20 seven and four but western carolina yeah i mean they're as we talked about friday just playing some pretty decent basketball especially for them you know beat citadel by 21 lost in overtime to uncg and then five and seven point losses to end the year i would expect them to take care of business against vmi get some revenge for uh, what will be two weeks ago as of this coming friday in the southern conference tournament opener uh, when the eight does play the nine but it was not easy uh, it was great to see james harrison 
who we hope to have on today, uh, certainly some point this week to talk about his senior day. It was great to see him get that first basket, and then he nearly had a second one go down, and then he picked up a second quick foul, and the game just did not unfold as I would have predicted. Uh, you know, senior day, feeling good, everybody around Freedom Hall, teammates want to do it for James, and I, I thought it would be a blowout, quite honestly, especially considering ETSU won in their own one by 22. Now, 11 threes weren't coming for Patrick Good. We knew that. Patrick Good's been struggling. It took a really monumental performance for the Bucks to win by that much on the road. But I thought the rest of his teammates would pick him up and have more of a complete team effort. And while it was a team effort, you still had Hodges and Boyd and Isaiah Tisdale really carry a lot of the load and make it, uh, you know, with how Western Carolina played, a bit too close for comfort, I'd say. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, if you watch Western Carolina, they're the, they're, they're the oddity that, you know, they're actually better on the road, and they've, they've competed better on the road sometimes than they have at home, and I, I don't know why that is, and that's that's usually not the case in any uh, form or fashion uh, for teams mainly. And, and But for whatever reason, West Carolina has given teams fits. You know, when we talked about during the broadcast, double overtime against Furman at Furman, and we know how tough that is to win. They went to overtime at UNCG. They, you know, down to the final minutes here. Uh, against ETSU, and so I don't know if Western will be a tough out in the Southern Conference Tournament. Again, they have their best home court advantage in Asheville, which is funny to say, but they have so many graduates that show up and, you know, Purple Thunder, the band plays and all that good fun stuff, and so they really kind of get things turned around. So I think Coach Prosser's got them going in the right direction. they got some key pieces certainly moving forward. They'll have one more year with the big fella, Carlos Dotson. Uh, you know, uh, Cameron Gibson's one of the best freshmen. Player. Goodness gracious, he's gone for 28-23 uh, in, in two games against ETSU. You know, they've still got Halverson coming back. they got a uh, Marcus Thomas, who had 15 off the bench, will be coming back. So they got a lot of pieces if they add one or two more players. I think Western Carolina could get really good in a hurry. Before we hear from head coach Steve Forbes, I thought very concerning – Minus seven on the boards, and that's just not something I thought I'd see specifically against Western Carolina. I know it's the first time that they've been out-rebounded since, what, December against Illinois, so nearly three months. Uh, Cameron Gibson had a hard time stopping him, and really all the numbers aside from rebounding went in ETSU's favor. You know, points off turnovers were 23-12. to 12. Uh, He had points in the paint at 38-24, to 24. fast break points 12-4, to 4. points off the bench. 35 to 17, but when you don't shoot free throws well, because you mentioned it a number of times during the broadcast, even hit half of the ones you missed and get up to 75% instead of resting at 50 on 16 for 32 for the day, then you win by, what's that, eight more points, so 15, and, and it is comfortable, and you probably do get James Harris in some late minutes, and everyone can have a good time and feel extremely confident going to Asheville. I don't think this game necessarily hurt people's confidence, but would have liked it to be a bit more smooth. Here's head coach Steve Ford postgame. Played the four in the last ten minutes of the game, pretty much. Played the three, played the four. He guarded guards, he guarded post players, he got rebounds. Uh, really good all-around player. Has really come on at the end of the season when we really needed to him. Trey Boyd gave us a great lift off the bench today, too, with 24 points. So he was initially talking about Bo Hodges and his 20 points and seven rebounds and four assists, two steals and three blocks. I mean, absolutely loaded the stat sheet, and the point there was not only did he do all that, but he was guarding the three, the four guards, forwards, doing everything on the defensive end in addition to what he did on the offensive end. I, I, you know, he, zero turnovers. Uh, you know, took care of the basketball. Yeah, maybe the most impressive just, stat in 36 minutes. Yeah, just, and, and he's not – generally known for a guy that takes care of the basketball. They also, he's been in foul trouble a lot this year. Just one foul, but just really did what I think most people thought he would be doing this year, which is just stuffing the stat sheet all over the place. And, boy, the confidence level for him, you know, he's shooting the ball much better. He's certainly figured out he can get to the rim and can go off the dribble. I know he's worked on the outside shot. Bucks didn't really need him shooting threes that particular uh, game. And, and with really Patrick Good struggling just late. Yeah, I think it's documented. Coach has said it several times. He's going to have off-season surgery as soon as it's over with. And, you know, he's trying to go as long as he can. And it's, he's just sort of the, the minutes and everything's wearing down on him. So they're going to need Bo Hodges. They're going to need Trey Boyd. You know, Tisdale started to show that he can knock down threes as the season has progressed. He had three of them against Western Carolina. I think the, the big guys down low, uh, depending on the matchups, need to contribute a little better. I was – 
little shocked because they had such a good go around against Western Carolina the first time that they did struggle in that contest. But, you know, they'll have an opportunity to, to have a big day against uh, Chattanooga, and we'll talk about that on the uh, breakdown as we hear more from head coach Steve Forbes. 23 wins is a, is a good season, you know, a good regular season. I took a couple of tough home losses to Wofford and Greensboro. Trying to split one of those between Georgia State and Creighton to start the season is really the biggest regrets that I probably have as far as the entire regular season. That's just a quick season summary. What's your season summary for the regular season? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think the Southern Conference was way better than even I thought it was going to be a good league. It was way better uh, than what I thought, and the fact that Wofford did what they did is just head scratching. I just I got to be honest with you. I think you just have to tip your cap and go to that. I thought. You know, UNCG, ETSU, and Wofford be one, two, three. I thought Furman was a clear-cut four. Um, and, and really the difference is ETSU did not beat UNCG where Furman did. And so he, Furman is the three, ETSU is the four. But the top three spots are held by four teams because of a tie. And, you know, 23 wins is about, you know, I hate to say it, but what you expect from ETSU, right? It's 99 wins now in I don't years. hate to say it. That's a great thing to expect. Oh, I mean, the sure, fact that you sure. can count on it. You know, and, and – People, you know, it's it's sort of funny. The West Carolina game is almost like ho hum. You know, it's we beat Western. It's what we do, and kind of felt that way. You know, the crowd just not really in it. Again, you could say ETSU didn't get a lot to cheer about because of not being able to to finish on some plays, not being able to hit free throws, not being able to really put the game away. That being said, there's a lot of people already talking about going over to Asheville, seeing what ETSU can do. And so I thought a great regular season. They let a couple games early in the season slip away, and they had maybe one or two late that. You know, I think if they had an opportunity to go back, they could have easily picked up the win at home at Wofford, could have easily picked up the win on the road at UNCG, probably could have even picked up a home win against UNCG. And then you talk about the Georgia States. I mean, there was a chance they left five five wins on the board, uh, you know, probably legitimately. You never know if the travel wasn't odd in, in Illinois, what that game would have been like. Yeah. And in the same token, there's probably one or two games you go back and look at and say, you know, maybe maybe TSU caught a lucky break. They, you know, here or there, and it could have went the other way. So maybe it worked out in the wash. But that being said, it, it's the second season now, right? You, all that you put behind you, and you know, for ETSU to get to the NCAA tournament, like Furman, like UNCG, and I think fortunately for the SoCon, not like Wofford, they got to win three in a row. You know, they've got to win three for Wofford. It just seems like everyone is just pointing at them getting to the tournament. Yeah, Coach Forbes agreed. The nice thing about it is you'll have the whole week to prepare for one team and not. Two teams. That'll help us. we got to have a great week of practice. We talked about that afterwards. And, you know, we, we're right there. But somebody's got to go beat Wofford. You know, everybody says it's a wide-open tournament. I don't believe that because nobody's beating Wofford. Until somebody does, I mean, then they're the champs. And we've got a two-point loss to them in overtime. we got a one-point loss to Greensboro, and we've split with Furman. So we can definitely do it, but now we got to go do it. I like that philosophy. Uh, I mean, no one has beaten Wofford, so how can the tournament be wide open are they beatable? I think ETSU showed that, yes, they are when they had them at Freedom Hall in 78-76 in overtime. So the task is one that is attainable. The task is something that ETSU can accomplish. But I was actually going back and listening to some audio from Steve Forbes over the weekend, uh, just from the season in general, uh, just some bites about the postseason as it's kind of evolved throughout the year. And his running theme has been exactly that, that we can do it, we just have to go and do it. And there's some people on Twitter today and over the weekend that were saying, and just social media in general, free throw shooting, if you go 16 for 32 or 12 for 24 or 8 for 16 or whatever, is it 50%. If you're going to try and beat Wofford and knock them off their pedestal, you have to face them in the semifinals, which right now is the slated matchup. That's not going to get the job done. And I can't say that I disagree, especially if you're going to the line that many times. That actually hinders your offense rather than helps it. Yeah, I'd be curious because the first-round matchups, and again, we'll talk about the breakdown in a second, was Chattanooga. ETSU went 12 of 13 in one matchup and I think 15 of 20, 75% in the second. So they've been 75 and 90-some percent. But then you could say, well, okay, so if you're playing teams that maybe aren't uh, aren't needed, right? Those free throws aren't as uh, – pressure situations right. like ETSU is hitting those free throws and I think this is going to come down to tournament time where the pressure is greater and everything is going and, and some of the guys missing free throws are the, are the shockers down the stretch you know we've seen a couple big men miss free throws like Lucas Cassandra and Rodriguez who were very good free throw shooters the first part of the season you know Bo Hodges I'm telling you I've been to practice 10 12 times uh, this season probably second half of the season and before practice starts he's the first guy out there shooting free throws 
again, I don't think it's not for lack of effort from, from Bo, but he's just not executing there. And then, you know, guys that do shoot at a high high clip, uh, you know, Patrick Good, Trey Boyd, and Damian Williamson just I don't think are getting to the line enough, uh, you know, to try to do it. Now, Trey Boyd has started driving more. Williamson's the most of the three that will get in the lane and mix it up, not afraid to, to get a foul. Tisdale's another guy that's not afraid to drive in and get fouls. His shooting percentage um, – Free throw wise, especially the last five minutes, I don't think he's missed one. Now he struggled during the rest of the game, the other thirty-five minutes. But the last five minutes, I think he hasn't missed a free throw. So, uh, you know, crunch time at least he's been able to step up and knock him down. Uh, well, we'll talk about the breakdown a little bit further, how the brackets go, matchups. You know, the first two meetings, ETSU Chattanooga. We'll talk to, talk about that a little bit later. We're going to step aside for a timeout. We'll turn our attention for the men's win. So the ladies getting two big road wins this past week. They're now on a three-game win streak as they head in the Southern Conference Tournament. Their latest game was Saturday, a big win on the road at UNCG, and we'll break that down for you right after this short timeout to hear word from Tano's sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. It's funny how things can multiply, like cold weather. One minute, a few snowflakes fall. The next, you need a snowblower just to find your feet. Or tardiness. Run two minutes late in the morning, and you're a half hour late to work. Come on. But good things come from multiplying, too, like the new Multiplier Instant Games, which give you a chance to multiply your winnings. So go ahead. Enjoy the good kind of multiplying today with the new Multiplier Instant Games, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed Bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Food City is excited for another thrilling basketball season with the ETSU Buccaneers. Even when slicing up the finest cuts of beef, selecting the freshest produce, or preparing the sweetest baked goods, we live and breathe navy and gold. So go get them, Bucks. On your quest for a Southern Conference championship and beyond, Food City is with you every step of the way. Food City, official supermarket of ETSU Athletics. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda... You can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. On this Monday, ETSU women's basketball, big win on the road, 72-67. And so ETSU had had zero road wins going into the final two games of the season. They won handily at Western Carolina and then won by five at UNCG. And I think great for momentum as they go to a neutral site in Asheville on Thursday. 
Yeah, no question about it. And they put up back-to-back-to-back mm-hmm. games of 70-plus and scored 72 in each of their road games. They were averaging just 57 points per game on the road until putting up 72 and 72. And, and they took care of business. You know, if this team was going to be considered dangerous, legitimate going into the postseason, they needed to shed the image that they were a team that could not win away from their home gym. And, and once again, we've talked about this a lot of the year, but it's not just an issue with ETSU winning away from home. Uh, you look at the records in the Southern Conference and overall uh, in the SOCON throughout the year, you know, the last four months. And aside from Mercer, yeah, they were 7-0 and away because they went undefeated in the league, and they were 10-3 and away from home overall as they went 22-7 and during uh, the entire 2018-19 regular season. But outside of that, Furman 4-8. and eight. You know, Chattanooga 4-8 and eight away from home overall. Uh, ETSU now 2-13. and 13. Wofford 3-13. and 13. UNCD 1-13. Western Carolina 1-13. Stanford 3-15. and 15. So not only do the Bucks get to shed the image of it is impossible for them to win away from home, but they also now just kind of blend in as one of the pack outside of Mercer, uh, which I think is an upgrade in terms of road play because – that goose egg was an eyesore uh, for quite some time, but Brittany Snowden has been one of the big pieces that has not let ETSU keep that goose egg in the win column on the road or on neutral sites, 20 points and 11 rebounds. Uh, she's playing the best basketball of her career over the last six, is now averaging 15 points per game. She's got three double-doubles in her last five after having won the rest of the year. Erica Haynes Overton had 19 points. Took her 19 shots to get there, but uh, while she didn't have maybe the best overall uh, all-around day that, that we're accustomed to seeing from her, still did have 19 points. Micah Sheet struggled from the field, but uh, 11 rebounds, three steals, and also, uh, pardon me, five rebounds, three steals, and 11 points. So uh, the Bucks hit their free throws. Uh, you know, they, they did what they could on the boards. Uh, were out-rebounded by seven, but uh, held UNCG to 1-7 from outside, and Brittany Snowden was thankfully able to cancel out some of what Nadine Solomon did. I'd say outside of Erica Haynes-Overton, and you could even include EHO in this conversation. It's probably a battle between Solomon and Haynes Overton for who is the best natural talent in the league. Uh, and I should say, natural talent is maybe even the wrong term, but the best uh, overall talent that can do all the things on the basketball court. Um, and they use their talent in such exceptional ways. Solomon had 29 and 12 rebounds, but certainly ETSU looks like they're ready to go. I mean, they're playing their best basketball of the year. They won six of nine, three in a row. The three games that they lost were by 11 combined points. Two of them were in overtime. So you flip the results of all three of them, it's nine in a row. I mean, what kind of postseason would, be ta- would we be talking about then for the Bucks? I mean, absolutely incredible run of play, especially from where they came from. So ETSU getting hot at the right time. There's something to be said for that. And to me, a lot of how the schedule unfolded in conference play was some of the reason for those struggles in the win-loss column. Um, but I think that now that we're done with the regular season, you can see who the team really is. They end up almost where they were projected in both the polls, uh, tied for third and had a chance if Furman would have dropped their last game to uh, be tied for second. And if they would have beaten Furman, they would have been tied for second, of course, losing by two in overtime. So I think all signs point to a very good postseason for the Bucs. I think the the turn of the new year was great for ETSU because they got done with the non-conference season in December. All January games were league games. Eight and six, and I would say this, not just eight and six, but I think they won six of nine yep. uh, down the stretch as well. So really starting to uh, to play some good basketball at the right time of the year, right? Uh, again, there is no at-large threat in the Southern Conference women's whatsoever. If it would be, it would have been Mercer, but they're not getting any love from anything that I can tell that would uh, remotely say they have a shot. So it's basically going to come down to who is going to win uh, the Southern Conference tournament. The only NIT bids or WNIT bids are going to go to Mercer Furman, ETSU, and Chattanooga out there. They're they're not strong enough resumes. They're both under 500 overall, so they're not going to get uh, into any other postseason play except for the NCAA tournament. And they've they've got to win that. And uh, just similar to the men, if they can get by the five seed in this case, it's Wofford, and then they get to uh, Mercer, able to win that, and we'll get in the. I guess I'm meshing my messages here as we get in a little bit of the tournament bracket talk, but I think getting the the last two wins was very important for ETSU on the road. Confidence of um, other things, I think the way Britton Snowden has stepped up her game, huge double-double, 
2011 for her. Eric Haynes Overton, 19 points. Again, she's such a volume shooter, though. 19 shots to get 19. You certainly would like that to be a little cleaner. I was shocked she had zero steals, which we'll get in more predictions later, but I was shocked uh, that, that she didn't even have a steal. Matter of fact, I was just shocked ETSU had five steals, period, uh, in general, and still able to win. I mean, I think if you would have told me they only had five steals, uh, now, they did have 13 points off turnovers, so they, got, they took advantage of some dead ball turnovers as well. But still, uh, I thought that was shocking that they just had five steals in the contest. And the only other thing I think besides steals, that's important, I think ETSU on the women's side, too, lacking a little bit in the assist category, which is, which is shocking because they do have some key pieces that can shoot. They certainly feed the post. Uh, and the post is able to bend score. You know, Lexus Spears in a very Lexus Spears-like manner, six points in four minutes of action, just does what she does, which is just score. I mean, just a machine down there. Uh, but it was tough to, to get her a lot of action because the way that Brittany Snowden was playing. And then Raven Dean does so many different things defensively, I think, for ETSU that's tough to get her off the floor as well. I think if Micah Sheets can shoot a little bit, I think she struggled the um, last couple of games, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if you look at the number of shots and, and makes. But I think ETSU looking good. I think Brittany Zell has to be happy with the way they figured out how to win recently. And even their losses, I mean, they're right there. You can make an argument that they could have been 9-0, and and I'm sure a, a lot of teams would like to make arguments that they could have won games. But still, they had opportunities uh, in the last six games to – or last nine games to, to pick up all those wins and have a great position where early in the season they weren't even in position on the road. Mike had a good game at Western, 8 of 11 for 21 points, and we'll get to that in bold predictions as well because I thought she'd build off that. You know, this team isn't the one that we became accustomed to seeing last year, you know, in terms of stealing the ball from the opponent and turning that into offense right away. It's just not as prolific because you don't have – that second player in the backcourt that can steal the ball and take it away from the opponent like Tiana Tartar did. Kaya Upton has turned into a nice player in that regard, uh, without a doubt, but but she's not Tiana Tartar, and no one would expect her to be, right? She's a freshman where uh, Tartar obviously had so many years behind her and was one of the top players not only in the conference but in the region. So during conference play, the Bucks have only had double-digit steals three times. Now, they still do lead the conference in steals, but it's down from that 9 or 10 mark to right around 7, 7.5. So, if ETSU is going to make a run in this tournament, I don't think it's going to be because they're flipping defense to offense, because they're getting those easy baskets in transition. I think it's going to be if post-play is what Brittany Dizel thought coming into the year, we talked about coming into the year, if it is what it can be. And that means that Lexus Spears is going to have to stay out of foul trouble. It means she's going to have to play instead of six, seven, eight minutes, though she has shown that she can put up big numbers in six, seven, eight minutes. Uh, she's going to have to play, I think, 15 or so minutes per game, be able to stay out on the floor because one of the big reasons she wasn't able to against UNCG had three fouls in those four minutes. It seems like it's been at times really difficult for her to stay out of foul trouble. She's got to defend smart. She's got to know in terms of positioning to the hoop, have some court awareness uh, in terms of working on the offensive side because, of course, players just with her size are going to be trying to take charges left and right, and any contact you'll you'll see from Lexi Spears or referees are going to immediately try and blow that whistle. So she's going to have to be smart on the offensive end in terms of when she gets her touches to not get overzealous and try and power her way up because, quite honestly, her power is in her frame, and she doesn't really need to bowl into people. She carves out space and, and can get lots of buckets around the rim, whether the double or the triple team does come. Brittany Snowden is going to have to continue. I'm not going to expect 20 and 11 from her. I'm not going to expect a double-double every night, but she's going to have to continue her top form because there are just going to be nights where Micah Sheets doesn't have the shot. And she was 3 of 13, like you talked about. I mean, she's had, you know, kind of sporadically on and off this year, had issues with uh, shooting the ball. And, and that's just kind of the, the player that she is. It's not denigrating her. Um, but she's not going to be able to create a lot of separation out of her own. She's not that Erica Haynes-type Overton player, um, Erica Haynes-Overton type player, where she is able to create off the dribble for herself a lot. She can at times, but it's more of a crafty, um, move smartly with the ball rather than create separation on the defender, get yourself open shots, get to the rim, and finish. So she's going to be a jump shooter, and she was 0 of 7 on Saturday from inside the arc, 3 of 6 from outside. So if Sheets is going to have those nights, which she is, that just comes with the nature of the player that she can be, and she also can be a very dominant offensive scorer, you're going to need that post-production from the Snowdens 
from the Lexus Spears, hey, even if Sedasia Tips can uh, make a couple of jump shots and we can get 10, 12 a game from Raven Dean, that's going to go a long way towards postseason success. And I, and I think they're going to need eventually, especially they survive Wofford. Again, I don't want to talk too much about it, but if they get further down the road, they're going to have to have a couple players contribute, maybe not 10, 12, 15 points, but Carly Litton's going to have to hit shots, right? Raven Dean has got to be able to get to 8 to 10 points. I think Lexus Spears, today's a tip, so those players are going to have an opportunity to contribute. And, uh, you know, everything's magnified from here forward because, at least for the women's squad, it's, if you lose, you're done for the year. There's no other shot of postseason. For the men's team, they have shot of other postseason. For the women, they do not. It is it is really playing for your basketball lives for this season and seeing how far you can advance. I mean, you got to try to, you know, the old cliche, leave it out there on the floor. And I think they need to do that. I think they need to crash the glass. Um, they need to force turnovers. They need to get up and down. And certainly they need to finish uh, uh, around the rim. And they need a couple of ladies from the outside to help. I, I think the one thing that ETSU is really – figured out that they're not as good outside shooting as they have been in the past. And what I like is the fact they're not jacking up 25, 33s and trying to just figure out how to do that. They're taking, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood between 10 and 15 a game, which to me sounds about right because they haven't been that great from outside the arc. And so, uh, you know, prime example, they were 4 of 12 uh, from 3 against UNCG. And, I mean, they didn't even hit a 3 in the second half. They were, now, they only took 3. Uh, but that tells me they were able to get the ball inside, get what they needed to get done. And, you know, they had a 21-point third quarter. Uh, and so it was able to stretch a lead coming out of halftime. So I think it's uh, very important for ETSU to recognize kind of who they are. Now, you know, Micah Sheets can fill it up. Eric Haynes Overton can go. Carly Litton's another one that could hit a few threes. So if they get a couple to go down early, I'm fine with taking more. But I really like their approach. If you look at the last maybe six, seven games, they're really not – jacking up a lot of threes unless some threes are going down they're taking about to me the right number of threes to keep teams honest or at least taking some clean looks at three and the rest are either trying to get to the rim or, or feed the post inside yeah to your point last year against Wofford in the postseason in that first game this will transition to our talk next segment about the brackets 29 threes against the Terriers did hit nine and of course you're going to get more shots against Wofford because of the pace that they play and it worked out because they won by 14 but this ETSU team isn't going to do that I think they're more based around what they can do in the post and with the players they have down there that's a good thing oh yeah absolutely I think they're they, they stay within the system they've understood you know where they need to go with the basketball and how they need to get their points and they've also figured out you can still get to 70 80 points without shooting the three right you can very easily uh, score inside and be able to, to put still big numbers on the board. And to me, it's about the aggression. I think they take that from Eric Haynes Overton, how aggressive she is. And again, I think she plays so hard, I think that helps everybody around her uh, kind of try to match her level of intensity. So, uh, well, why don't we do that? Why don't we do bracket talk? We'll step aside for a timeout. We'll take a look at the men's and women's brackets. We'll give you our thoughts. We'll also tell you how both teams fared versus their opponents in the regular season. All that more coming up after this time out in Santa's Sidekick. This is the Buccaneer Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated health care system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 1216 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Wendy's has three new hamburgers on the new Made to Crave menu. The barbecue cheeseburger, the sauce and bacon cheeseburger, and the peppercorn mushroom melt. They've got so much swagger, they'll change the way you think about hamburgers and the way you ride through our drive-thru. Maybe you'll lean your seat back a little. Maybe a lot. Maybe you'll roll your windows down. Or maybe your window's broken because you punched through it to get your hamburger faster. Try the three new hamburgers on Wendy's new Made to Crave menu and download the Wendy's app for craveable deals today. At Wendy's, we got you. At participating Wendy's. 
Mulliken Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulliken's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson's Kidding locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulliken Flooring. General Shale is proud to support ETSU basketball and Southern Conference fans everywhere. Want to make the most of game day? Now you can design your dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you design custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from up to 10 building types designed with over 50 of our most popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with your friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks, but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. By far my favorite bumper, with no intro. This has the feeling of like a late 90s, early 2000s, right in your wheelhouse. I kind of kind of feel like you're, you're sitting, on the, sitting on the porch and the, the grill's going and the it feet are up right. and cold beverage maybe, I don't know, lemonade, iced tea, something. Good save. Yeah, there you go. All right, uh, let's take a look at uh, the brackets and we'll start first uh, taking a look. I think we'll, let's just, we were talking about the women, let's talk about that the one seed is Mercer. They'll take on West Carolina at 11 a.m. on Thursday. Then ETSU versus Wofford in the 4-5 game at 1:15. At 3:30 will be number two Furman versus number seven. Well, that's a tough out. Number seven Sanford, and then number three Chattanooga against number six UNCG. And again, I think in the first round, the one you can just go ahead and advance and book it 1,000% as Mercer will be. Uh, Western Carolina, I don't think I'm going out on a huge limb here, but that'll be the uh, easiest one to predict. And from there, honestly, Mike, I could see a toss-up situation. ETSU Wofford split in a regular season. Sanford style of play versus Furman. They both sort of slog it out a little bit. Obviously, Furman has more offensive weapons. But if Sanford hits some shots from the outside, and, and again, they're almost like that running offense that if they get a lead, and especially it's eight or ten points late in the game, it's tough to do anything with it because their style of game is take the air out of the ball and then Chattanooga and UNCG in which Chattanooga just lost at UNCG and so they split during the regular season as well so that's how it stacks up I think you'll agree Mercer very easily uh, the the one you're going to push through the bracket then after that I don't know who you like I'm not going to be as quick with Mercer Western Carolina as you are because they only beat Western Carolina by two earlier this year. Uh, I know this is a neutral court. It's a different time of year, uh, and I do expect Mercer to win, but crazier things have happened. When you play a game that tight, uh, to me, that's not as easy of a walkthrough as some may think. Of course, Mercer did go undefeated. It's 31 straight games now in the league that they've won. Their last four games, though, they won by six points or less. Uh, There's two overtime games during their conference season, two others they've won by two. Western Carolina, and this is, to your point, they did go winless, obviously, scoring 45 per game uh, since their last loss to ETSU, I should say two losses ago, one month ago in Brooks Gym, uh, the closest game in conference they played, though, was against Mercer, losing by just two. So uh, that one will be interesting in the sense of some memory recall from Western Carolina because they did have a decent game plan and played the Bears as tight as they did. Will they be able to put up a similar effort? Uh, Furman, 9-5. and five. They swept UNCG and Sanford in the regular season, split with everyone else. Chattanooga, the number three at 8-6, and six, swept Sanford, split with everyone else. ETSU, the four, swept UNCG and split with everyone else. Wofford split with everyone else, and this is outside of, of course, being swept by Mercer and sweeping Western Carolina because undefeated and winless at the top and bottom of the bracket. So uh, it all does come with that caveat. Uh, Furman, Chattanooga, ETSU, and the rest of the SoCon, both being swept by Mercer and 
beating Western Carolina in both their matchups. But the Bucs, they swept UNCG and then split with all the other teams outside of Mercer and Western. Wofford split with everybody outside of Mercer and Western, uh, going 7-7. Seven and seven. UNCG swept by Furman and swept by ETSU, uh, split with everyone else aside from being swept by Mercer and swept by, uh, or in sweeping Western, I should say, and then Sanford at 5-9. and nine. They lose the tie break, and, and that is the thing with Sanford. You mentioned it, that if some shots can fall, they were swept by Chad and swept by Furman, and they scored just... 36 and 41 against the Paladins during the regular season. Furman just a very good defensive team, allowing just 57 points per game in conference play for less than any other team. But you saw what Sanford could do against ETSU when some shots were falling down in Birmingham. Then you saw just this past week on Thursday night when they pulled a, I'd say, mild upset. Some may even say uh, bigger than that against Wofford. 17-point win where they hit 16 threes. So you know where their bread is going to be buttered, and if it is buttered, you know how and why it is because they're running their offense effectively. They're using some of the maybe overplay of the ball with the back cuts and all the motion that they use uh, to get those open shots from outside. If they can execute effectively, that could be trouble for Furman. That being said, though, the history from the regular season tells us that since they only scored 77 combined points, that Furman has the clamps down when those two play. Yeah, and, and you know, the inside play for Furman obviously is strength, and it's kind of tough to run the Princeton offense if you can't get anything going from the high post, right? And normally uh, a lot of backdoor cuts all that well. If you're, you're allowed to kind of take the post out of play and then slough off in there and then you're daring Sanford to hit shots, you certainly could see, and I think you know, Furman's, uh, Furman's one of those teams that, you know, it's, to me, uh, that they could play fast or slow. That You know, they, their, their tempo isn't necessarily as important to them as Sanford is. You know, for ETSU, I think it's clear they need to get up-tempo. You know, Furman has some pieces where, you know, they could run if they need to, but certainly if they get in a half-court game with, with Tabor and some of those ladies, they could – they could finish around the rim and very easily dominate inside the post. So I could see some of that. And I think that's going to be, again, it, it wouldn't shock me if it's chalk on, on the, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, all winning on quarterfinal day. But it also wouldn't shock me if, you know, two, three, uh, I, don't, well, I won't say four. I think one of the higher seeds will win. But two or three mild upsets I think could happen. Uh, for sure in the Southern Conference Women's Basketball Tournament because I just feel like, you know, and you're right, probably Sanford is a bad matchup for Furman. But I think you – and I watched the UNCG at Chattanooga because they played right right before us. That came down to the wire. Some free throws maybe made it look a little uglier than what it actually really was. And then ETSU offered just really two great basketball games. Uh, well, the first one for sure if you're an ETSU fan because they just took Wofford – uh, you know, to the woodshed in the fourth quarter, right? But they were down, you know, and then they scored 39 points. And so maybe that uh, skews things a little bit. But, but clearly through three quarters, a tight game in Johnson City. They're able to win that pretty handily. And then the second game, Wofford up 20, right? And then ETSU able to come back and came down uh, to, to one shot to try to tie it at the end of regulation, which didn't go down for ETSU. Yeah, all you need to do to know how this tournament is going to go is go back to what will be one week ago from the first day of the tournament on Thursday when UNCG won by four over chat, which, again, I think many people kind of raised their eyebrows like, wow, this conference really is wide open, and Sanford beat Wofford uh, in the way that they did. So there's not going to be an easy win, and Chattanooga and UNCG facing off just a week later from when the Spartans did pull off that upset, that is definitely one to me that will throw up some uh, red flags for people that are trying to prognosticate this tournament. I I think that it's not going to be easy for Chattanooga if they can't get past the mental side of, hey, we just lost to this team. We are the favorite coming into this game. If they can't get off the fact that if they do not win, that it will be a massive disappointment, then I think they're going to play really tight. I think they could have a similar offensive performance, and that will mean trouble, undoubtedly, for the mocks. Uh, Furman, Sanford, we talked about a bit. I mean, if Sanford can hit those outside shots, but again, uh, Furman does play well, both outside and inside. You know, they've got Leger Davidson, who is a heck of a player uh, as a guard, and then they've got Caitlin Duncan and Selena Taborn in the post, and those can obviously, you know, cause some issues. Taborn 6'3", and kind of Alexis Spears build, where she's going to take up a lot of space and make it just difficult by her stature to use those back cuts. Caitlin Duncan is a more athletic 6'1", at forward, too, so 
If you're Sanford, you're going to have to draw them away from the basket, use that high post very effectively so you can free up some of your guards on the back cuts, on the motion, everything they like to do in that Princeton offense. If you don't do that, then you're going to be in real trouble. And uh, ETSU Wofford is going to be a really good one, I think. I, I mean, I, I don't feel like there's going to be a lot of difference, and I think we've seen that throughout the year. There's not a lot of difference between the two teams, certainly for you know 30 or so, 35 or so minutes of the ball game. Um, Wofford went on a couple of runs when ETSU was at the Jerry Richardson Center uh, that went against the Bucks, but then ETSU went on that 39-point fourth quarter highest scoring quarter in program history against Wofford the first time. So there will be runs. It will be back and forth, but at the end, I, I think it is going to come down to the final possession or two. Um, Erica Haynes-Overton and Chloe Wanick could be considered one, two in the conference for player of the year. I threw in also Amanda Thompson and Kiki Calloway from Mercer. I voted Wanick player of the year just because Wofford is having a historically great season. If they win against the Bucks on Thursday, they will tie their most wins in Division One program history in 23 years. They already tied their second most um, in program history when the Bucks played the first time against them down in uh, down in Spartanburg, uh, or the only time I should say down in Spartanburg. They got to. 13 that day, tying their second most. So they like to get landmarks against DTSU, and the Bucks will just have to make sure to really put the clamps down on Wanick because she's had a couple of good games. Watch for Jamari McDavid, who's a very impressive player, and we'll break this down a bit more in depth as we get towards Thursday. But just make sure that they're putting forth the type of effort away from Brooks Gym they did the last two games and don't slip into some of the habits and play good at the end of the game as well, those last couple possessions, as opposed to what they did the first 15 games on neutral sites and away from Brooks. Yeah, I think the, I think confidence has to be high. Yes. I mean, the last nine games, they've really kind of turned a corner. The, just the style they've been playing, been uh, executing much better. It's certainly led to six wins, three wins. It, uh, they're kind of knocking on the door. So I think this, this is the best they've looked all season. I think if you're going to look your best, you clearly want to do it going into a conference tournament. One three in a row, and... I think maybe a little bit of a bad taste left in her mouth from the loss at uh, Wofford that last last game, especially the way that they kind of struggled. Like third quarter, right, sort of mid-third quarter, I think they kind of uh, – or was it second quarter? Second quarter, they hit that low where they just really struggled to score. They got outscored 25-10 to 10 by Wofford. So, really, I mean, I know you can't take away a quarter, but you have to feel like that was a – a quarter where ETSU just couldn't get a lot going for them. This is just going to be an amazing tournament, and you see it in the bracket and how things unfolded with a team undefeated at the top, a team winless at the bottom. That leads to symmetry in the middle. So Furman at 9-5 and five, down to Stanford at 5-9. and nine. I mean, those six teams only being separated by four games and being separated by even less than that when they play each other, it seems like. Not that you can compare the two, but proverbially the fact that they are separated by a couple of points here and there where the teams have essentially all split with each other with a couple of exceptions within the bracket. Uh, I'm really excited because while on the men's side, which we'll talk about now, I mean, it, it is certainly four teams at the top that are going to be favored that people will be very shocked and surprised if they are not the last four standing. With the women's side, it's not that way. Yeah, I, I really, honestly, looking at this thing, and I know it's a bad matchup for Sanford, but it, it just wouldn't shock me if it really would not. Uh, one through seven. Now, if Western Carolina beats Mercer, that honestly would shock me, but not any other result, at least on the quarterfinals. Taking a look at the men, and on Friday it'll be 8-9 VMI West Carolina, which VMI's had Western Carolina's number. They beat them twice already. They'll try to make it the trifecta at 5 p.m., Friday night, then at 7.30, it's number 7, Samford, against number 10, Citadel. And, boy, Samford's one of those teams that if they won the first game, or Citadel, both the way they play could get hot. That could cause some problems for UNCG. We saw Citadel give Wofford issues last year in the first round of the tournament, so you certainly could see where that could be an issue uh, in the second round on Saturday. Moving to Saturday, the one-seed Wofford will get VMI or Western Carolina. Then at 2.30, Saturday, your Bucks versus Chattanooga. At 6 p.m., it's UNCG versus the winner of Sanford and Citadel. And the 3-6 matchup at 8.30 is Furman versus Mercer. It's just difficult for me to really break down game by game simply because I expect the top four to advance. I, I just I don't see a scenario in which that doesn't happen because each of these teams has been tested against really top-level competition throughout the year, not just in the conference, but throughout the year. I mean, we've gone through UNCG's losses, and they're all the Power 5 schools. Uh, of course, Wofford 
with beating uh, the SEC, I believe it was South Carolina. They beat by like 20 on the road, and they're ranked. I mean, that speaks for itself. Uh, and then obviously you've got Furman, who beat Villanova and Loyola, and then ETSU, who was at Creighton in front of whatever it was, 17,000 with a lead late, and of course uh, were not able to close out that game, but also went to Illinois, and there were some travel things there that were difficult. But uh, they played power five teams they've had success at least to some extent maybe not throughout the entire game for etsu but with the other teams you know they have had um success i mean unc's g's losses are like kentucky lsu and uh, north carolina it's it's absurd so there's not going to be a choke job here i don't think because there's no team that has shown that they're capable of doing that because this is a top 10 league in the country because there's no other mid-major league like this one this year around the country the fact that it is so solid through the top four makes me believe that it will be a long day for the rest of the league. Yeah, I, I, I just can't – where I could see a lot of upsets in the quarterfinals of the women, I'm the exact opposite. Yeah. I, I just feel like – I know, agree with you on Sanford and Citadel, too. I think they're good teams. I just – Yeah, I just – I mean, they, they would have to ride – and I'll say this. Citadel just played UNCG where they hit something crazy like 22-23 and didn't win. Wow. But Citadel can make it interesting if they hit a lot of threes like that. Sanford, the way Sharkey and those guys play, if they can attack the press at UNCG, there's a shot they could give them a game. VMI and Western are just bad matchups to play Wofford. I I just – what all Wofford does inside and and shooting and scoring, you know, I would like to give Western a better puncher's chance than VMI, but that's hard to say because VMI's beaten Western twice. So it's just a bad matchup for Western apparently. ETSU has owned Chattanooga as of late. Chattanooga has gotten better. I just don't see that, um, especially looking at the first two games. You know, ETSU 96-70 uh, win at home, 77-64 on the road. And really, you know, it, it's been a little bit of a different variety. The post play has been uh, important for, for ETSU in the second game. Luke Sasson had 14 in the second game. He had 10 in the first. So he's enjoyed playing. Chattanooga quite a bit. I think Milan Armas had a close to a double-double if he didn't have one in the in the first matchup. Uh, didn't play particularly well in the second. And then, uh, you know, Trey Boyd, who has kind of come and went sometimes this season, has had a couple of double-digit affairs. And, and I mean, we, we've seen where, like, he had zero against Western Carolina and then come back with the time to career high 23. So he's been kind of there. Bo Hodges has not been healthy really for either one of those. So I'm kind of curious to see what Bo Hodges can do. I know he had uh, a career high nine rebounds, I think, in that contest, and he, that was that might be the first game we started to see the old Bo Hodges. So I think the matchup is really good for ETSU. I think Furman Mercer, the matchup's really good for Furman. Yeah, uh, I just think that that you know the only it, it's hard to say, but the only teams that can may be given a little bit of trouble, which happens in this tournament, is the one and two seeds because you just get a team that played the night before. They're built off momentum. They've been in that arena. Sometimes it's difficult for teams to get their, their feet underneath them. I don't care how many times you play the conference tournament in Nashville. It's still new every year kind of going in there. So I could see where a couple of guys could make uh, some shots and, and make it interesting, but I really feel like come Sunday at 4 p.m. it's going to be Wofford ETSU, and at 6.30 it's going to be UNCG Furman. Yeah, forgive me. I, I meshed the resumes of Wofford and UNCG, but the losses for Wofford are North Carolina – Oklahoma, Kansas, and Mississippi State. Three of those teams were ranked at the time. UNCG, LSU, Kentucky. There was that road win against South Carolina, and then the couple of losses uh, to Wofford. So, I mean, just not a bad loss on the resume, really. I mean, and of course the loss to Furman, too. But when those teams do meet, because I think it's a do, not an if, uh, 10 points UNCG beat Furman by, Furman beat UNCG by 10 points. And then Wofford and ETSU, of course, we know the first matchup, which seems eons ago, quite honestly. I mean, we're talking a full four months at this point, uh, or three months or something like that. I'm not great with the months. But it was a six-point game late, and then obviously ends up being 17, and then the overtime two-point game. So I I have no clue what's going to happen in those games. I I mean, absolutely none, and that's what makes this tournament exciting is – Wofford has shown that they can play with the best, beat everyone in the league multiple times, and beat power conference teams. ETSU has shown they can play with power conference teams this year. Steve Forbes 
is a phenomenal coach and too much of a veteran for uh, too much of a, a mind, a coaching mind to let his team get sucked into the scene. He's going to have them ready. And then UNCG and Furman, uh, obviously with Furman beating Villanova and UNCG doing, doing what they've been able to do. Um, those four teams, not much separates them, and we know that, and that's what's going to make Sunday so fun. No, and I, I think you know UNCG, their Achilles' heel is with that press. If you leave shooters open, and they will leave shooters open that press, if you can knock down the threes. And the games they've been beaten in the league uh, a couple times by Wofford and then by Furman, they've all hit threes on them, and, and that's really the simple math. ETSU, I think, is ten for twenty-two or twenty-five, something in that range, and just not enough threes going down. Matter of fact, the second matchup, they only hit three threes. And you're thinking, I know everybody wants to point to free throws, but there were a lot of clean looks from three that if a couple of those go down, obviously it's a different story. Now, it didn't, so it didn't, but that that's really what's going to matter. Wofford-ETSU, I think, is a pretty good matchup. I know the first matchup against Wofford ended much greater and probably what it should have been because of the ejections right. and some other things that happened late. Uh, but it was still a six, eight-point game, uh, Wofford at home. And then, obviously, the ETSU goes to overtime. Uh, Bo Hodges hits a three. Uh, Wofford not able to hit the game winner, and it goes overtime, and Wofford ends up uh, winning in OT by two, again, where ETSU had an opportunity. Let me ask you this. Of the four teams, which do you think is playing the worst heading into the tournament? Because I'd say it's UNCG, because they've had a number of tight games, and I know that they kind of bounce back at Mercer, but... The overtime win against Western, unconvincing. The win against ETSU, I don't think that's necessarily super convincing. That game could have gone either way, a one-point game. And then you talked about the game against Citadel, where the Bulldogs had just a ridiculous uh, shooting performance, um, 22 of 42 from outside. I mean, they took 42 oh threes, and they made 22, and they lost. And I know that that's kind of an outrageous shooting oh. night, but that – resume to me doesn't scream ready for the tournament as opposed to Furman who their only loss was to Wofford since January 31st they won 8 of their 9 going into the tournament ETSU has won 4 of their 5 um, so and obviously Wofford has been very good so I think Wofford is probably still the strongest but then you go Furman, ETSU in whatever order you want and then I think UNCG is the one that is at least lately looking like they could be an earlier out yeah, well, yeah, I mean, again, I, Sanford to me, I, I just, golly, they just seem to have great pieces. They're starting five, I would say, is about as good as anybody. I think their bench, they're just, and when they lost they were three guys high, to high yeah, majors, correct, right? Yeah. So you lost three guys to high majors this year, but, I mean, they're, they're lacking in depth in the bench. But they're five, starting five, I think it's unbelievable. Yeah. And, I, I mean, to me, a great matchup is Josh Sharkey against Isaiah Miller. Mm. I mean, that is a key matchup. And, honestly, Guerrero versus James Dickey's not bad inside yeah. either. So, they've got some things. Now, clearly, I think the one thing they don't – Sanford doesn't match up. They don't have anybody really for Francis Alonzo because he can he can score a lot. You know, Citadel, again, they hit 22 threes this go-around. Who knows? He might be able to pick up a win. And, and then, honestly, uh, you know, Mercer, I think – would be a good matchup, and I know they, they did not show up and make it, and I'm just wondering if that's the, the writings on the wall for, for my guy Bobby Hoffman, but I was very shocked because they do have enough pieces inside and out and can shoot the three enough with Ross Cummings and a few others that could, I thought, give UNCG fits that last game and didn't. So uh, I, I, think, I think I would agree. I think UNCG has a possibility to have a rough go. I don't think they'll get beat. I'm not – predicting any of that I, I think I think Furman I think Mercer's packed it in I think it's over I think Furman will coast there I think ETSU and Chattanooga will be a little bit of a dogfight just because uh, it always seems to be over in Nashville and it was last year for a while and then ETSU ended up uh, stretching it out late I think that's how that game will play out I think Wofford will play I'm gonna I'm gonna say Western Carolina is gonna figure out VMI I'm gonna go down limb there and say Western wins I think Western could do some things to create a little bit of trouble, but I think Wofford ends up winning that one by double digits late. And then I think UNCG, I th I'm going to say, will struggle, but then they'll end up winning uh, four or five points, survive in advance, and set up a good matchup with Furman. You agree? I think you're on it. There we go. <laughs> All right, bold predictions. Other side, our final segment on this Monday, Santa's sidekick back after this on the Buccaneer Sports Roundup. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. 
or low decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since 1980. Our hickory smoked barbecues, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game. The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. How many places do you ever go without your smartphone? My name is Wesley Fletcher with the First Bank and Trust Company. Now you can pay securely for your purchases with your smartphone too. Just add your check card to the wallet app on your phone to pay for all your purchases. So keep on moving, keep on traveling, and keep on shopping with the First Bank and Trust Company and Apple Pay and F, providing mobile solutions when you need them most. Your bank for life. Firstbank.com. Member FDIC. Look, if you're like me, you got a lot to remember. Like, remember to pick up some refreshingly cold lemon-lime Mountain Dew ice. Sounds good, doesn't it? Well, here's my trick. If it's a nice day, I think nice rhymes with ice. And that reminds me, I better get some Mountain Dew ice. Or if someone asks me for the time, I think time rhymes with lime, like in lemon-lime. If I work at it, anything can remind me to get to the store and get myself some Mountain Dew ice. Mountain Dew ice. Remember to get some. Welcome back to Smooth 92.2. I'm Dr. Love, and I want to hear the secret to your romantic success. We've got Brian on the line. Bright guy, what'd you do? Well, I wanted to spice things up, so I surprised my wife with instant games from the Tennessee Lottery. Ooh, and the ghost work, Brian? You know they did, Dr. Love. It doesn't take a relationship expert to know you can't go wrong with February instant games. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. LeBron is a Laker. Four-year, $154 million, a max deal. I'm ecstatic. I think it was the right situation, the right call for him to make. He wasn't going to get anything accomplished in Cleveland. That was obvious. ESPN has announced the network's new broadcast team for the 49th season of Monday Night Football. Former Dallas Cowboys tight end Jason Witten, who recently announced his retirement after a 15-year pro career, will immediately jump into the analyst role. LeVar Ball's big baller brand has gotten an F rating from the Better Business Bureau. The Browns dropped the ball all year long. Unfortunately, a team, a coach, an organization, not good enough to earn one win. The only win in the last two years came on Christmas Eve. Now here we are on New Year's Eve, talking about a team that will go down as one of the worst in NFL history. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple wrong would have done just fine. Unless it's my prediction. Got to update this bumper with somebody saying that Jason Witten is heading back to the Cowboys. From the nope. Got it. You came into the weekend 17 of 63, did I. You were 12 of 62. Uh, and it gets no better for either of us. Uh, Micah Sheets, a career high, is what I said would happen against UNCG on Saturday. Thought that she was kind of rolling with that 21-point effort she put up against Western Carolina. Did have 11 points, but did not get a career high. You said Erica Haynes-Overton would have 20 points, 5 rebounds, Three assists and two steals. You already mentioned it earlier. She did not meet the steal category. Just the second game all year, she did not have a steal. Also did not meet the rebounds. I think she only had three. Was that right? Two or yes. three. And, and, and 19, 19 points. points so which is there. So I missed three or four. I missed three or four. Right. So yeah. that is why that prediction was bold, because she can still have a good day, because yeah. it was a good day. Still solid stat line, just not enough for the bold three. Yeah, not the, not the overall. I said James Harrison would have double digits on his senior day. And I got to say... Within the first minute or two, I was feeling pretty good about that. He makes the first bucket, then has one roll off the rim on the second attempt. Clearly, Steve Forbes feeding him the ball. I'm thinking, all right, well, things are going pretty good. He'll stay in for the next four or five minutes, maybe get another bucket, get to like six points. And then late on, when ETSU is clubbing Western Carolina, he can come back on for the last four or five minutes, get two more baskets, and boom! 
double digits, but unfortunately he picked up a couple of quick fouls, and it ended up being a tight game, a game in which Western Carolina, if they would have hit a three with like 16 seconds to go, one that they missed, it would have been a one-possession game, and a lot uh, of things still had to be decided at that point. But regardless of my excuses, uh, James Harrison did not get double digits on his senior day, though he did get the first points of the game, which was fun. You said ten threes. More than I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Nine is what they had. This is... It is getting to be incredible. You've come very, very close. Twice there was the roll around and pop back out. Mm. Doesn't matter. That, that close. Still that looks. close. I said St. Mary's would defeat Gonzaga, and my bonus was that Jordan Ford would have 30-plus points in the victory, and it was closer than it was the first time because St. Mary's lost by 48 the first time, but they still lost 69-55, to 55, and Jordan Ford had 19 points. Now, these were bonuses, right? Not the St. Mary's part, but the Jordan Ford part. So I do not get penalized for the Jordan Ford part. I do get penalized for St. Mary's. Not upsetting the number one team in the country, Gonzaga. I nailed this next one. And for you, well, you had two. Your bonus was Clemson, North Carolina. Yeah, and lost by two, and Clemson had a shot. Ever so close. Yeah, ever so close. Uh, Marquise Reed had 24 points, but Kobe White for UNC offset that with 28-6-5. So that was... Not correct. You don't get penalized for it, but you don't obviously get the credit in the overall number. And TCU over Texas Tech. Huge fight. Yeah, TCU over Texas Tech. They were they were in it at the tip, and then it was over. 81 to 66, 18 point lead at the half, and the Horn Frogs yeah, didn't were, do much. Yeah, to yeah, the, the opening tipper went south quickly. <laughs> so we are not smart. Uh, well, let me just go ahead and uh, interrupt the. Uh, here you go. Stubborn. Yeah. So you are 12 of 65, I am yep. 17 of 66, so not pretty for us. We will go over our long-term bold predictions. Um, I already know for me it's not so great. Uh, next week on the show, uh, which... Uh, We'll be out. So we've got to do some bold predicting that is not terrible. I'm like two for my last 20. I don't know if you've gotten one since like the second. Yeah, I got one. It might be one. <laughs> got one. All right, good. Yeah, all right, coach show tonight. Uh, oh, yeah. should, should be hearing from both head coaches about Beautiful. the Southern Conference Biggest coach show of the year. Yeah. Got to get excited for it. Yeah. Angry Man, top 25, all that and more. On our next edition of Sam and Sucky, don't forget to download us, SoundCloud, iTunes. We will also try to get the show out as quickly as we can on Thursday and Friday with all the Southern Conference action going on the back of there. Sports Network.